This is the season for superhero movies, it seems like. Uh, we had Captain America Civil War come out recently, which was really fun and entertaining. X, the new X-Men film is coming out here at the end, I think next weekend. And it got me to thinking, of course, especially with our cohort kids, our third, fourth, and fifth graders up with us today. If you could have any superpower, what, what would it be? I don't know. What are some interesting superpowers? Joe, I mean, you look like you have something in mind. Invisibility. Yeah. Nef- yeah. Ben. Teleportation. I like it. Jonathan. Oh, okay. so kind of like Green Lantern. All right. All right. A little Green Lantern. Nice imagination. Emma. Okay. Fly. I thought you would be like being able to read two books at once, but yeah. Maybe secondary power. That'd be a good power. <laughs> it's fun to think about superpowers and who wouldn't want to be a little stronger, a little faster, be able to fly. That'd be awesome. I wish I could play bass better or something like that. I don't know. Um, part of what I enjoy about comic book characters, though, is their backstories. Like, how did they come to receive these superpowers? You know, some were born that way. Some were injected with a super serum like Captain America or, or some through scientific experimentation. Some are from another world like Thor and some have technological enhancements like Iron Man. Take the Incredible Hulk, for example. This is the scientist Bruce Banner, and depending on which storyline you read, he's exposed to gamma rays, which is how he did it when I was a kid, and he uh, you know, causes cells to mutate so that when he becomes enraged, he transforms into the Hulk, a nearly unstoppable force of rage and power. Bruce Banner didn't ever ask to become the Hulk. It just happened to him. In fact, in a lot of his story arcs, he's living into seclusion, hiding in the jungle, trying to get away from people because he doesn't want to get stressed out and become the Hulk and smash things. It's almost like he's stuck with this power he never wanted in the first place. Sometimes we treat the idea of spiritual gifts that way. I've not, I, I don't think I've ever been taught this explicitly, but as a kid, I came to think of it this way. First, you put your trust in Jesus. Then, you get baptized. Then you get the Holy Spirit. Then you get some kind of gift or gifts, right? And it's almost like I had in my mind, there was this, this line, and you, you know, first is salvation, and then the baptism, then you go to the stop of getting the Holy Spirit, and next in line, next, Eltridge, you get the gift of faith, and let's see, what does the church need? Helps. What? I wanted miracles! Next, Wilson, you get the gift of faith and music or, you know, something like that. And then the fallacy in that type of thinking uh, is that the spiritual gifts are somehow handed out to us like, like uniforms in a, in a military setting or something like that, and, th- and that you get some kind of gift or gifts, and then they're yours for life, whether you want them or not, and that's just who you are, live with it. And of course, in American Christianity, we add uh, to all of this the twist that, well, you don't really know your gifts until you take a special test that tells you what your gift is. And there's hundreds of quizzes and online things to tell you what you're gifted at by the Holy Spirit. These tests, of course, fit our obsession and our culture with ourselves. I want to know what my power is. And it's no surprise that we're one of the only cultures in the world that has any test for spiritual gifts, or by the way, would understand what the phrase, I just need to find myself, would mean. So what are these gifts? You know, the Bible never tells us, 
never tells us to go find your spiritual gift. That's never a command in the Bible. It never says, go discover what gifts you have. Instead, the call of Scripture is to pursue Jesus and his kingdom priorities. And as we step out in obedience, and in Scripture, when we see people stepping out in obedience, following Jesus, we find that the Spirit equips us for the task at hand. And tonight we're going to finish up our three-week exploration of 1 Corinthians 12 by looking at, finally, I know some of you have been waiting, like, when's he going to get to it? Spiritual gifts, what are they for? Who has them? Do we have to register if we have a special spiritual gift, something like that? So let's dig into the text and see what we can learn. Tonight we're focusing on 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 30, but we're also going to reach back and look at the gifts in in 4 uh, and 12, 4 through 10 as well. So I'm going to jump around a little bit. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? So again, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 10 and 27 through 30. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God, who works all things in all people. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by, one and, by the one and the same Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Now you are Christ's body, and individually members of it, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, miracles and gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are, are they? All do not have gifts of healing, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? Of course, the answer is no. Lord, thank you for your word, for revealing to us a piece of what you do through the power of your spirit, of how you build a church in unity by one spirit, giving us a multitude, a diversity of gifts within the church. Lord, help us to value, to value one another, to value the gifts that you've given us, even if some are uh, more visible than others more fun than others. Lord, help us to see the value in how you've built us as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. If you're just coming in on this Sunday and you've missed the last two, I, you know, of course, I always want to recommend that you get the full context. In those first two sermons, we really looked at the argument Paul's trying to make here about how the Corinthians, who thought themselves super spiritual, he's trying to take them to school and say, actually, you don't really get it because I can tell you don't understand spiritual things because you have all these divisions in the church. Some of you who are speaking in tongues think you're more important and more powerful than other people. Some of you are mistreating each other. And by that fact, I know that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And so Paul is trying to tell them uh, what it means to be spiritual, what it means to be filled with the Spirit, and he's trying to remind them that, hey, diversity in the church, it's on purpose. God did it. He appointed each one of us, as weird as we are and as individual as we are, to be a functioning member of the church. Now, in the Bible, though, as we talk about spiritual gifts, there are three main lists of spiritual gifts in the New Testament, and this chapter contains one of them. Of course, the other is in Romans 12 and Ephesians 4. What's interesting is that none of the lists in the New Testament, if you stack them up, look at them side by side by side, none of them are the same. They're in different order. Some of them include different things. Uh, tongues, for example, is not in the Romans passage. Uh, prophecies in all the passages. Uh, you know, so there's all kinds of variation in these lists. And actually, in all three examples of where Paul has lists of spiritual gifts, he, he lists the gifts as examples when the church is not living in unity. And that means that none of the lists of spiritual gifts is meant to tell us much about spiritual gifts. The lists of spiritual gifts in all three examples are there to make a bigger point that Paul's trying to make about unity in the church. But that does not mean that these lists of spiritual gifts don't tell us anything about gifts. So what do we know, if anything, about the gifts of the Spirit? First of all, what is a spiritual gift? The word for gift in the New Testament is charisma, and the root word is charis, which means grace. Grace. So the gifts of the Spirit are first and foremost gracious in the sense that they're not earned, you don't deserve them, and yet they're, they're gracious as well because they're good. They're good. They build up the church. They are primarily for the building up of the church, and this is a big, this is a big piece, the building up of the church so that the church can be a witness of Jesus. So another way of saying that is we're given gracious gifts of the Spirit so that, so that the world may come to know Jesus through us. That's why we're given spiritual gifts. Not so that some people can have a special parking stall or that some people can be in charge or be more powerful or pull rank. The gifts are given in the church so that the world might come to know Jesus through us. There are at least six different ways of, that spiritual gifts are understood in the Bible. I mean, I had to cut it off somewhere. There's lots of different ways, but let's talk about six, right? First, there's the gift of faith in Jesus. Among all the different spiritual gifts that um, include the spectacular, like speaking in tongues or uh, healing or miracles, uh, of all of the things... Paul goes over the top to communicate near, in nearly all of his letters that faith is the primary spiritual gift of the Christian. Conviction of sin and faith in Jesus are works of the Holy Spirit. Absolute gifts of the Holy Spirit. All followers of Jesus, by definition, have the gift of faith in Jesus. And this is kind of a two-for-one when you consider that eternal life itself is a gift. If we look at Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the charisma, the gift of God, is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So if you're ever wondering, like, man, I, I've been a follower of Jesus for a while. I don't feel like I have a cool spiritual gift. Everybody has the gift of faith if you are a follower of Jesus. And Paul goes 
over the top in most of his letters to communicate that. That the ability to believe, Christianity is weird. We have two philosophers in the house right now. Like, it's not a lot of logic in, you know, we base our whole thing on this resurrected guy. You know, I can't see him anymore. So to have faith in this amazing uh, Lord that we call Lord, it's a work of the Spirit to have faith to be convicted of sin in the first place. Second, the Holy Spirit is a gift given to every Christian, and it reminds us of our adoption into God's family. So just the Spirit dwelling in a believer, which the Spirit dwells in all believers, so that's you if you're a believer in Jesus, is a gift because the Spirit reminds us of our adoption into God's family. The Spirit reminds us of the teachings of Jesus. The Spirit is a down payment of our inheritance in the Father. And John's Gospel says that the the Spirit gives us words of witness to people we encounter in, in the world. The Spirit does this for us. Third, your station in life can be a charisma or a gift. Paul speaks of his own gift of celibacy, a gift that enabled him freedom to travel and to sacrifice much for the gospel without having to provide for a wife and for children. Sometimes celibacy can be temporary until someone finds a suitable spouse, but I think as a church we can do a much better job at highlighting this very important gift in Scripture. In fact, in the early church, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, the front rows of the worship space were reserved for the single and celibate because they were viewed as holier, more important, and the family sat in the back. Now, I think when we read Paul correctly, uh, we've done away with that view because that's not right. We know that everyone is the same holiness if we're in Christ. But I feel like in our culture, in America, in the evangelical church, we've so highlighted marriage that we've maybe pushed the singles to the back. And I think there needs to be a coming together in the middle of highlighting the high value and the high calling like we did today of parenting and raising up a next generation and also the high and holy calling of being single and celibate in the station in life because we need all kinds in the church to be functioning and and whole. Fourth, gifted people are spiritual gifts to the church. And what I mean is there's certain people called out and gifted in roles to fill offices in the church. Like uh, he lists three here. He lists some more in in other books of the Bible, but uh, apostles and prophets and teachers. Paul ranks these first three not to say that the people who fill these offices outrank anyone else, but because he wants people to understand that the building up of the church is the most important thing about the gifts. And these Corinthians in particular were highlighting tongues as being so important. And so Paul is kind of trying to bring balance uh, to the force here. He's trying to bring balance to their way of thinking. If they think tongues is so important, He's saying, wait a minute, these other things are, uh, are important because they build up the church. Tongues is a great personal gift for worship. But Paul wants to show that the gifts are intel- that are intelligible and give witness to Jesus are very important as well. And so the Corinthians need to understand that. First are apostles. Now, there's a wide range of meaning for this word apostles. Uh, and literally, apostle means a sent one. In one sense, we're all apostles because we're all uh, 
Jesus' sent ones into the world. But as Paul uses the term here, he almost certainly means it to be that small number of eyewitnesses to Jesus who were specially charged with passing on the tradition during that first generation. Paul was one of them, and in that technical sense of the term, we no longer have apostles in that way, like that first generation of apostles died out. But we do have prophets, and prophets are men and women who critique the world, and they critique the church through the lens of Scripture. And words of knowledge, distinguishing of spirits, these are likely subsets of the prophetic ministry. And while there are some among us in the churches who prophecy on a regular basis, we might call them prophets. Most often the way this works is prophecy as a gift comes situationally to lots of different people. Sometimes many of you have spoken a prophetic word about our country or about uh, the state of a church or it's the state of how we do things, uh, the state of how we think about things biblically. The Spirit comes as needed and as the Spirit desires, to whom the Spirit desires. Third are teachers, teachers in particular who pass on the apostolic gospel to the church for building up of the church. This is one of the primary roles of the pastor, but also there are many among us, even in this congregation, who have the gift of teaching, who teach the word of God, whether in a Sunday school class or uh, within their family or in their workplace. There's just teachers among us. Fifth, There are gifts of power. These are the gifts of healing and miracles and tongues, both the kind of tongues where, uh, like in Acts, where they speak other languages so that the people of the known world could understand the gospel, and the type of tongues that is more of an angelic language, like we'll get to in the the next two chapters from now, but it's more of a personal worship language that is unintelligible to most people unless you can interpret it. Sometimes we mistakenly call these the charismatic gifts, But as we've seen before, even faith is a charisma. All the gifts are charisms. They're gifts of the Spirit. The Babylon Bee is a satirical Christian publication. It's kind of like the onion for Christians. I'm pretty taken with it. Uh, Here's an article that parodies our obsession with the spectacular. It reads, Somerset, Kentucky, the church of the prophetic word was sorely disappointed to discover an individual believed to be speaking in tongues was actually just a Hungarian exchange student. Andor Caperthy, 18, originally of Budapest, Hungary, was reading the word of God to himself in his own language at an afternoon service when he unwittingly sparked cries of, Hallelujah! Fire! More fire! from the congregation. Worship leader Jen Allen, who originally had led the, the raucous cheering as Caperthy meditated on the scriptures in his native tongue, was the first to discover the, the disappointing blunder. Oh, it's just that kid staying with the Anderson family he announced in the microphone. He's just reading the Bible, not speaking in tongues. Put the shofars away, everybody. False alarm. It was not the first time this month the church had been disappointed by what it had originally believed to be a move of God. A few weeks ago, a prophetic word of knowledge from the congregation was discovered to be a man on his cell phone in the lobby. Just prior to that, an apparent glory cloud turned out to be a a serious issue with the HVAC system. Asked to comment on the unfortunate mix-up, the concerned-looking Caperthy replied in broken English, please tell me, there is fire? All kidding aside, tongues and gifts of power are manifestations of the Spirit. 
and they are legitimate to this day. In Paul's argument, notice that tongues is listed last, not because it's least, but because it isn't first, like the Corinthians were putting it. They can play, uh, tongues can play an important role in the life of the church, but our obsession with them, either our lust for them or our fear of them, only serves to harm the church. Sometimes people think, oh, I don't have these gifts of tongues or miracles or healing. And when you ask them, well, how do you know you don't have these gifts? Well, they say, I've never experienced them. This line of thought betrays the false teaching that we're all kind of like these blank vessels, and when we become Christians, we just get filled up with whatever spiritual gift God wants to give us, and then that's it. That's what we have. You get what you get. You don't throw a fit. Go on. Next. In reality, the gifts of the Spirit are often situational. Yes, there are healers. Yes, there are people through whom miracles happen oftentimes, and people who generally are able to speak in tongues. But there are many more people uh, who pray for people to be healed, and sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not. And there are people who pray in faith, and sometimes mountains are moved, and sometimes they're not. And there are people who love Jesus, who have been overcome in worship, and have spoken in tongues once or twice, and it doesn't happen every time. My point is that if you don't pray in faith, if you don't practice, you probably won't experience any of these gifts. Sixth, ministry is viewed as a gift of the Spirit. The opportunity to serve, the privilege of participating in God's mission in, a, in thousands of different ways. And what's interesting about verse 28 in our chapter is that it includes two gifts that are functions or actions rather than people or offices. The first is helping. In the NIV, sometimes it's translated as uh, people who help and people who administrate. That's that's wrong. It's their verbal nouns, and actually it is the actual thing of helping and the action of guiding or administration. The first one is an act of doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done. It's the behind-the-scenes person who serves without a spotlight, but whose service is necessary in the building up of the church. When we were praying uh, before the service, I think I heard Eric's voice say, what needs to be done? He's asking Schoon, who's cooking his buns off back there. That's a spiritual prompting. Uh, when, when Frank Hodge and Nancy come in early and set up stuff and make things sh- are, are just so, when, uh, you know, when you've got uh, Wayne uh, going off to Mardi Gras to be an evangelist, when if you ask Wayne, he doesn't, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't feel like an evangelist. He just is prompted by the Spirit to be obedient to do these things. These are, these are works of the Spirit, ministry. And this is partly what that satirical story in the Babylon Bee was talking about. These people are disappointed that the guy wasn't really talking in tongues. He was just reading his Bible. Like, that's not important. Uh, They were disappointed because they had hoped the Spirit was at work among them. But if they had just looked around at the people serving, the people running the sound system that day so the worship leader could have even said those things in the microphone, the people who had already helped the elderly widow to her seat who was struggling to get in the door, the quiet gentleman who serves at the jail on a weekly basis because, well, Jesus would have done that. These are all spirit-gifted acts. 
The second one in that sentence is a verbal noun. It's often translated as administration, but in our culture that usually means a secretary or something, which is not quite what it means. The Greek word behind that uh, references a helmsman on a ship. It's one who steers. Uh, Guidance or wise counsel for the congregation is is maybe a better uh, translation, or even leader. Leader might be a more accurate translation for our culture. These are the things the Spirit uh, prompts people to engage in as needed. The cohort kids, our third, fourth, and fifth graders, have been learning a lot lately about how the church is put together. They've been learning about some of the different roles and gifts in the church. Uh, They've heard so far from Katie Ackerson, who is a leader in our church. She's on our leadership team. Uh, Ben Goodwin, who is also on the leadership team and runs the the sound system. Ryan Leckie, who runs the projection. Morgan Lingbloom, who often prepares meals. She has the gift of hospitality. Jennifer Thomas, who teaches Sunday school on a regular basis. And they even interviewed me as, like, how did you become a pastor and what do you do? And they've also been serving in different ways. Uh, today, Keely and Emma were up learning how to do the projection. I know Jonathan and Sophia have been doing that. A lot of the other kids have been uh, setting up church from time to time or re- reading scripture as part of, uh, part of our service. So I'd like to invite you guys forward, cohort kids, uh, to share a little bit about what you've been learning about how the church is put together and some of the different gifts. Come on up. Come on up. Hi. I also just want to point out a big thanks to Christy Wilson, who is the cohort leader with uh, her sidekick, Nathaniel, and Collins and Sarah Lawler, and Candace Kennedy, and... Um, and Tommy Lingbloom as well, who are their four volunteers. Yeah, Collins and Sarah, I said them, yeah, thanks. And, uh, you know, just investing in this generation and helping them, uh, one of their axioms is to uh, put the youth in the church and the church into the youth. And uh, you guys are awesome for trying so much. So I'm curious, what are some of the things that you've learned about as you've interviewed these different um, people in the church that you're using their gifts in different ways and filling different needs in different ways? So anyone have something they want to share about that. Ben, thanks, bud. Um, We've been learning about um, how they help the body of the church. Yeah, and what's one one way that, uh, I don't know, maybe you learned that they help in the body of the church and you didn't know it before, didn't know how important it was? Um, Like uh, on the leadership committee? Yeah. they help with tons of stuff that we didn't even know about. Yeah. Can you, can you mention one thing? Um, Anyone else? They help with, um, like, giving cards to you, like, for pastor appreciation. Yes, they do. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Go ahead, Emma. <laughs> we have a body of Christ. It's like a cardboard gingerbread man. And... We've been putting people in their places, and there's some people on the back because they want to, they try to do their stuff without being noticed, hmm. like they're up there. Oh, you're blowing their cover. <laughs> yeah. And the leadership team, yeah. we put them on the back phone, or the behind the head, like the back of the brain. Yeah. 
That's great. So you were up there today with Keely. What was that experience like? It was fun. Yeah? It's pretty easy. Is it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let's, Jess, we still think, you know, you're rocket scientists up there. Um, I went up to do projection with Sophia last time we stayed up, and right before that, I figured out actually how much the projection and sound people help the church, like, without the sound, people, like, wouldn't be able to hear them singing, and, like, without the people doing projection, they might not know the words to the song, mm -hmm. and then they couldn't sing. Yeah. Someone was, I think, Sophia, you were telling me a little bit about that. What does that help the congregation to do? Um, they get to participate more, and participation is a big part, so everybody gets to learn more about God every time that we meet together. Great. Anyone else feel like you want to share anything about something you've been learning about either your role in the church or some other people's roles in the church? No? Ben, go ahead. Um, uh, Morgan does uh, food, and Katie is on, I think we did kids or leadership yep. with her. Yep. Uh, yeah, lead team. And um, uh, Ruth's mom was Sunday school teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So we have lots of different pieces in the body that do lots of different things that help us all participate and be the church together. Yeah. And I know you guys on the I think it's on the twelfth. Are you helping to set up or do the meal or something? Yeah, really looking forward to that. So thank you for in advance for doing that. I'm sure we'll, we'll mention it again. Can we give these guys a hand just for being part of the church? Thank you, guys. Right. Everybody has a role um, from the more spiritual side of things that you may assume, oh, the worship leaders and the pastor, and they, you know, they must be the spiritually gifted ones. But everybody has a role, has an important role to play um, in the body of Christ so that we can be the body of Christ, so that we can be a witness for Jesus. Scripture tells us that every person who follows Jesus receives at least one gift, but no one person has all the gifts. So we need each other. We need every person in the church. Jesus seems to Give us the gifts we need for various circumstances and various seasons of life. And that means there's no room for pride. No one got to, like, earn the gift that they have. So if you think someone has a cooler one than you, I don't know. It's just what God did. Get over it. And the best way to find out what gifts you have, I would say, and what Scripture seems to say, is not by taking an online quiz, like they didn't have the internet back then. Um, it's to step out in faith and to serve. It's to ask for help in the mundane. Holy Spirit, would you help me be more patient in my marriage? That, one of the most mundane, everyday things that is one of the hardest things in the world to do, and the Spirit can equip us. Uh, would you help me to have a better attitude in my place of work, the everyday, the mundane? Uh, that's oftentimes where the Spirit can gift us and equip us 
to be something more than we actually are. You know, sometimes the Spirit gives us an ability, like teaching or prophecy or tongues, and sometimes the Spirit uh, gives us the ability of a changed attitude or a changed heart or a changed disposition, like long-suffering, like compassion that doesn't run dry. Do you know why caregivers burn out so quickly? Because it is hard work to care for people who are constantly needy. And only by the power of the Holy Spirit do you see people with any kind of longevity doing this type of work. And as the body of Christ, we always have people who are, are in flux of being in need and, and being caregivers. And so in, in order to be the body, we need the Spirit to give us that gift of compassion that, and that long-suffering. You know, sometimes the Spirit makes our work effective. Like sometimes on my very worst sermons, or at least my worst sermons in my opinion, are the times when people just say, you really spoke to me. I'm like, well, that wasn't me. I mean, it's just like it inevitably happens that way. The Spirit can make our work effective so that our attempts may not be that great, but the response to those attempts are that great. And sometimes the Spirit gives us faith and results to prayer like miracles and healing and evangelism. I remember one time uh, when I was an associate in California, I was just convicted, like, I have not been praying for the people in my life to know Jesus. And so I was on this elliptical at 5.30 in the morning, this is before kids, and uh, working out, and I'm just praying, like, Lord, today on my way to work, on my way to the church, would you give me an encounter? And so I'm driving, and I see this guy having a seizure at the bus stop as I'm driving, and so I pull over, and it's this young man, and uh, he had just, you know, gotten over it, and, and uh, uh, it, was, it wasn't quite a, like a grand mal seizure. It was actually just a real severe tick, and uh, he said, yeah, I get these quite often. I said, do you want to, you're kind of shaking up. Do you want to ride to where you're going? We just have a short conversation. It was about a 10-minute drive, invited him to church. He comes to church, and within a few weeks, um, you know, he's coming to faith, and a few months later, I baptized this guy, I'm not an evangelist. I would not say that that is my gift. I don't like wear that all the time, but the Spirit sometimes answers our prayers. I'm not a healer. In just a minute, Emily Frazier and I are going to be up here at these healing benches for healing prayer. Sometimes when I pray, people get healed, and sometimes they don't, and I'm not going to stop praying. And that's kind of how this is. Sometimes we just step out in faith because things need to get done because we are called to be more than we are. We're called to be the church of Christ. And the Spirit will equip as the Spirit desires. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, thank you for your ministry that is often behind the scenes. You're called the shy member of the Trinity by theologians, I'm sure for good reason. Most of our songs talk about the Father and talk about Jesus. We thank you for your absolutely vital ministry in giving us faith in the first place, equipping us to do the things and be the people that Jesus says we are. And I pray for faith to step out in faith for my brothers and sisters and I. Help us not to be on the sidelines waiting for something to happen, but to see a need and to step out and say, Holy Spirit, equip me for the task at hand to the glory of God and neighbor's good. Amen. We're going to transition now to our...
time of healing prayer, I'll invite the worship team to come forward. Marsha's actually going to play some beautiful music. Um, Emily and I will be at these kneeling benches, and you can simply receive this time as a gift. Like, how often do you get serenaded by beautiful music and get an opportunity to pray? Uh, but also, I want to invite you to, uh, to come forward if you have um, a need, if you've got a joy to express, or uh, a physical or emotional or spiritual need that you would like prayer for. Uh, now's the time Emily and I would love to pray over you. So.